This podcast is brought to you by AJ Bell and Shares Magazine. Shares Magazine is published by AJ Bell Media, part of AJ Bell. Hi, welcome back to Money and Markets. I'm Dan from Shares. Unfortunately, Laura's been whisked off for a TV appearance, so Tom from AJ Bell is kindly stepping in as my co-host this week. Hello, Dan. Hello. Fame awaits, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> uh, this week, we're going to be talking about financial education in schools. I'm really excited about this one, actually. Yes. I think it's a really interesting topic. Um, and we've got some very special guests to as well. To be revealed yeah. in a bit. God, incredibly exciting. <laughs> Poor Laura missing out on this one, eh? This is the golden goose, I think. <laughs> Uh, We'll chat about how the general election could impact on your finances, why the US stock market is soaring away, and the latest drama in the short-selling world. Uh, But firstly, let's take a look at the big election news. So we think that it's confirmed we're going to get a general election in December. You excited about that, Dan? Yeah, very excited. <laughs> as excited as you can be. About You're going to go out door knocking in the cold. <laughs> no, I must. I will go and vote. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. I think that's about as much yeah. as as much as we can hope for. So it's. I mean, I don't know if anyone's particularly happy or unhappy about this. I'm sure Brenda from Bristol is furious <laughs> about another election. But what what about the the markets? Was there, has there been any immediate reaction to this piece of well, political it, news? It was a bit weird. I mean, the morning after the sort of the. The vote happened and it sort of came out saying, yes, there's going to be this, this election. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Sterling didn't really move much. The markets didn't really move. I think everyone was just expecting it to happen. Yeah. Um, there was a bit of a rally in sort of UK-focused shares a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Um, but no, I mean, I, I think that the key thing now is to, is to watch the polls as we mm. sort of draw closer to the actual voting day. Um, because if it looks like Labour could be getting in, you need to be uh, watching the utility sector, transport companies and infrastructure, because Jeremy Corbyn's talked about re-nationalising yes, those, those areas. Um, and if it's perhaps if it looks like a Conservative majority in the polls, then you know, you'd think that might actually be quite good for um, UK-facing companies and, and Sterling. Yeah. But we'll see. I mean, what, how, about, how about on the sort of personal finance side and pensions? Is there anything that we should yeah. be looking for for policies? We do not know yeah, much Yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously very, very early days. So the, the parties um, are just about to agree to an election but haven't set out their, their manifestos. But there's a few things that you can probably expect them to be talking about in the next, uh, next couple of months other than Britain. Brexit, obviously. So I suspect the state pension will be a big one. So that's the thing that most people in the country will get. So it affects the most people. So it's a natural natural ground for yeah. political parties to talk about during a campaign. So uh, the state increase in the state pension age. So there's increase in the state pension age scheduled to go up to 68 by the end of, tw- of the 2030, so 2039. So Labour has said it had put a pause on all increase in the state pension age above age 66. So that's a potential vote winner for them. I suspect they'll stick with that policy. I think it'll be quite interesting to see what Boris Johnson does um, in response to that. So clearly Boris Johnson, who's someone who's primary aim to be is to be elected and to be popular and you don't really win many votes by saying you're going to have to retire later and take your state pension later so it wouldn't surprise me at all if he looked to re- review that policy um 
the increase in the state pension as well. So that they're, they're, at the moment, the state pension is protected by what's called the triple lock. Um, we've talked about on the pod before. So that um, increases the state pension in line with the highest of average earnings, inflation or 2.5%. So whether or not that will remain in place um, remains to be seen. Again, I suspect given we're in a general election campaign, nobody's going to go into that on a platform of giving older people less money. Mm. So I think they might just look to stay quiet on that. And we may get some other things. So there's some other big issues, um, self, a lack of saving among self-employed people. So we've got about 5 million self-employed people in the UK now. Only around 15, 16% of those are saving anything at all for retirement. Um, so the, the Conservatives in their, in their previous manifesto, which feels a long time ago now, 2017, um, said they would do something to, in, to encourage the self-employed to save more. Nothing's really been done. So that's a big section of voters potentially they could go for and if they could come up with a policy to incentivize those people to save for retirement then there may be some votes to be had in that and we may again this is probably a bit too long term but the future of automatic enrollment so you've got uh, auto enrollment is being introduced we've now got it all out there for everybody who's employed but people aren't saving enough into their pensions so how you increase contributions above what is eight percent of a certain bracket of earnings um, is a question that hasn't been answered and you never know the parties might look to touch on that if they see votes in encouraging people to save for retirement oh and one other thing as well that we we, we should certainly see something on so um, Labour has previously said through John McDonnell um, that they they want to um, reduce the point at which the 45% tax ban kicks in to £80,000 and in- introduce a new 50p rate as well for somewhere, I think, around £120,000, £130,000. Now, clearly, that'll increase the, the amount of tax that people earn. And again, not necessarily going to be popular amongst everyone, but there could be implications for pensions there because at the moment pension tax relief is paid at your is paid out at your marginal rate so if you're uh, if you're a 45p taxpayer then you get 45% tax relief and if this 50p would p rate were introduced you get 50% tax relief now i'm fairly sure that labor's aim isn't to give more pension tax relief to rich people so i suspect they've come up with that policy without thinking about the implications for pension taxation but if they get into an election they might need to think about how they address that issue i had no idea how they're likely to do it but it's something that eventually a labor government would have to think about did you just breathe in the last four minutes? <laughs> I bet when it comes to pensions and politics, I get so excited. I barely have time to breathe. Um, <laughs> I think that's covered. I think I've just about covered or covered everything in one breath. Maybe that could be a new a new feature on the pod next time I'm in. All your pensions in one breath. <laughs> right. So that's enough on politics. I think, Dan. What's going on with the U.S. stock market well, at the this, moment? This is really interesting. Where the U.S. markets have hit yet another all-time high. This is the S&P 500 index. Um, Most people think that the US market is just made up of tech stocks. But actually, if you look at the numbers, it seems to be stuff like retailers and and pharmaceutical companies, which are seeing the the biggest sort of share price Mm. rises this year. Um, I mean, I was having a look at some of the numbers. There's Tiffany, which is the biggest riser, but we can kind of exclude that because that's in in the middle of a a takeover situation. Mm. Um, There's a company called Newell Brands, which is up 36% this year. And that makes stuff like household products like glue bins and scented candles so yeah. uh, it sort of shows that you don't have to sort of chase glamour um, yeah, that's my, you, my christmas present list <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> if you want to sort of make money on the markets but I, I was reading some interesting stuff but people have been monitoring what companies have been saying on their sort of conference calls when they've been reporting earnings and they said off off the the s&p 500 
um, companies that reported over the last month, only 32 have mentioned the word recession. Um, and I think if you went back earlier, yeah, that was people were very worried about that. Mm. They're now sort of saying slower but sort of stable growth. And, and perhaps this is just what's encouraging investors to sort of bid up shares, you know, get yeah. them excited that things aren't sort of all doom and gloom there. And also, Dan, you spotted some drama in the short selling market as well. This is exciting. Well, yeah, so drama. Just, so just a, just a quickie, if, you, if you're not quite sure what short selling mm. is, this is where people are betting on share prices falling. So if a share price, say, fell by 10%, you would make a 10% profit. Yeah. Um, and it's increasingly becoming in the news at the moment. There's lots of people sort of targeting what they think are weak businesses. So there's a company that used to be valued about £3 billion until um, it got targeted by short sellers. Mm. Um, it's called Burford Capital. Oh, ah, yes, yes, I'm yeah. familiar, yeah. This is a litigation finance provider. So its shares have taken a bit of a beating because there's a hedge fund called Muddy Waters issued a negative report sort of um, accusing it of dodgy accounting and stuff like that. So so when you get the sort of short sellers come in, they tend to have someone issues a report full of lots of negative mm. facts. Um, and then hopefully that sort of scares, or well, hopefully in their eyes, not mm. to say this is not what should happen, but in their eyes, they they, they want the, the investors to be spooked and for the share price to fall. So, the, so these are things that they that, that they believe to be true, that they believe the market doesn't know yeah. about the company that they're targeting. Ex exactly. Yeah. And so normally you just see these reports and, and that's it. And then they make what? issue another report but um, what's happened with Muddy Waters has taken it a bit step further um, they actually did a bit of a prank on Burford so that Burford had this 10 year anniversary party recently in, in New York yeah. um, and they stood outside the venue and, and started giving gift bags to everyone who's attending this event um, so inside the gift bags are things like a lanyard with 10 questions to ask Burford such as how much will the management get paid um, <laughs> they also included um, a Burford branded creative writing an accounting pad um, and, and it's a real tongue-in-cheek yeah, sort of yeah, way yeah. of um, sort of putting another sort of dig at this company but obviously yeah. you know they've, they've got some publicity off the back of it so it's worked so it's a bit cheeky um, but it's quite interesting to see the extent to which short sellers are now going to get their message out yeah yeah so we've now got some great guests joining us in the studio. So I'm pleased to introduce my daughter, Daisy, who's 11 years old. She's making her podcast debut. Say hello, Daisy. Hello. Hello. And we're also joined by Carl Clark, an education officer at MyBank, which is a charity focused on financial education in schools. Uh, hello. Uh, thank you all for joining us. We want to look at financial, financial education in schools, as Dan said. Uh, what kids are learning these days and how to teach your children about money. So, Daisy, could you kick us off? Um, do you have your own money and what exactly do you spend it on? Well, I, ha I do have my own money because okay. um, I have like a piggy bank thing. But ah, um, A literal a literal <laughs> piggy bank? Is it a pig, a no, pig with coins in? Oh. It's a jar. Ah, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I spend it on things like I play the drums and I play a bit of football as well. Ah, okay. So like I'll spend it on things like maybe some new drumsticks or something like that. And um, maybe if there's like a new Star Wars toy out, then I'll try and buy that and things like that. Okay. And do you do you do you save money for those? Yeah, things? I yeah. yeah. I try and save um a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. That's very sensible. Yeah, very good. Well, I've taught I've taught <laughs> a lot more sensible than I was when I was eleven years old, no. let me tell you. <laughs> My sister isn't as good though. Oh really? No. I'll rat her out on the podcast. Yeah, no, she's, 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 she's classic. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very much divided between 
you could probably look at Daisy as the saver and, 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 <laughs> the, and the daughter is very much, well, would like to be the spender until, until <laughs> yeah. the money just disappears. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so Daisy, we, we, tell us about what you do at school. Do you, have you ever been taught about money in your classes at all? Well, I think, I think the subject that comes up with money is more like when you do word problems in maths. Okay. Because like, um, let's say there'll be a menu, they'll give you like a menu and there'll be certain things on it and says like, oh, so-and-so wants to buy um, as much as he can for five pounds. Um, what can he buy? Remember, he's allergic to like, you know, something like that. Mm. Um, but it doesn't really come up in any other subjects, um, especially at my old primary school as well. So in in maths class, do you do you talk about money, or is it just literally they just talk about adding up numbers and stuff like that? Well, it's mostly you know like adding division, but there'll be times where we do decimals, and then they have examples like say, oh, um, so and so has two pound fifty, but his friend has um, ten pound yeah. fifty. Like if um, they want to share a chocolate bar, how much can they each give um, to buy it? without going over their money and um, but it doesn't really come up in any other subject really. yeah yeah because that's kind of touching on budgeting type issues then isn't it yeah yeah so what i mean we i'm sorry you know, we're putting you on the spot here, <laughs> here daisy we want we want to sort of try and understand someone your age um how they sort of view money and and uh, whether they think they should be entitled to it so obviously mm. Pocket money is historically the main way that children would get money. Yeah. Do you think children should have to do chores to earn that money or do you think that they should be getting it for doing well, nothing? Yeah, well, I think they should be doing something mm. because or like have a certain thing to do because um, like I, one of my friends, um, she doesn't has she doesn't have to do many chores but she has to get all her family christmas presents with her own money okay. when it comes to christmas and then like i have to do um chores to get money but i think they should have to do something yeah um yeah what about you dan did you were you given chores to do as a <laughs> as a child yeah i think so i mean you think so it's like <laughs> so, so, so long, long ago, ago. I yeah. remember. <laughs> i guess it was it was the idea of you had to do. You have to help her help around the house. Yeah. You, you, you do hear of people these days who are given an allowance. Yeah. Um, and then refuse to do anything at all. But yeah, I, you know, I, I'm trying to get. I try to get Daisy to do stuff. Yeah. To earn her earn her, <laughs> her place in the house. Yeah. 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 I think it's important, isn't it? I think what important did I used to have? I, I used to get all sorts of weird jobs around the house to earn. I mean, some some of them were quite normal, like washing up and things like that, which is kind of a standard yeah. one, isn't it? But I remember my dad also used to get me to cut the hedges and things like that. Which Trusted you. When like, you're 13 yeah. years old, going around yeah. with a, yeah. with a chainsaw, <laughs> <laughs> kind of dangerous. Oh, well, we'll have to call you Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> <laughs> Carl, what, how about you? What did, you? did you have to earn your pocket money or did you get it just a small amount for doing nothing? Or? Oh, so I didn't, I didn't really earn pocket money. I was just given money for the things I needed. In terms yeah. of doing things around the household, coming from a Caribbean household, it is just you do as you are told oh, and really? you do it when you're supposed <laughs> to do it. So I had major responsibilities at home. So I used to do a lot of uh, washing the dishes on certain days, cleaning the front garden, uh, responsible for doing people's laundry in the house. So I, I had a lot to do, but pocket money is not what I got for doing that. Pocket money was generally, this is what you need and 
this is the money for it and go and spend it on exactly what you've been told to spend yeah, it on. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, Daisy, do you, do you understand how parents actually get money to be able to pay pocket money? Well, as far as I know, um, they get it from their job. Like yeah. their job will pay them at the end of the month and for how much they've done. So it depends what job they have and how much they get. What about, do you think, if they don't have a job? Um, I think it can be quite hard for them to find money to pay the bills. How do you think they might do that? Well, they might go to, like, family or something who might have money and they might help them out. But, you know, if they don't, then it could end up in homelessness and not having a home, Yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. And, and how, how, how important do you think saving money is then and do you save do you have do you do you have a specific plan for how you save your money so you talked about buying some things earlier yeah. do you do you kind yeah. of sit there when you've got some money and go okay i'm gonna spend this on that thing and this on that thing or is that something yeah. you speak to your parents about well i think it's like um because i told you i have like a jar of money and yeah. then so basically when it comes to saving, um, I'll try and like, let's say if I go to like a fair or something, mm. I'll try and keep the notes in my um, jar, but take out some of the like coins and yeah. spend it on that. Oh, but, okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But try and keep like some certain money in there. Yeah. Instead of just spending it all. Yeah. What kind of things do you yeah. spend it on at the fair? <laughs> I remember like, I used to use the 2P machines. Like, yeah. Yeah. They were the, that was the classic, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. So, around where we live, um, there's this park that does a beer festival every year where um, all the kids... Um, <laughs> she's not, she's not, she's not buying beer. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, they'll serve no. anyone these days, don't you? <laughs> it's incredible. No, um, and, but all the kids, because they want to keep the kids busy, yeah. so there's tons of rides like Helter Skelter uh, okay. and the Twister, and, you know, so, like, me and my friends will bring, like, a certain amount of money each and all go and rise together. Yeah. Yeah, but the parents will spend it on beer. <laughs> <obviously>. <laughs> Did he really, Dan? <laughs> Well, I don't know. I've no, never tried that. No, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and, I mean, do you ever find that you spent this money and then regret it, Daisy, at all? <laughs> yeah, I think, like, you know, when you go to, like, museums and stuff, and I've, I'll, like, bring a certain amount of money for the yeah. gift shop, and then I'll get to the gift shop, and it will be rubbish, like, <laughs> stuff I do not need at all. <laughs> and then I feel like I have to buy something. So when I buy this stupid note, had or something yeah. and I get home and I think why did I buy that like, yeah. I'm never going to use this this is going to be one of the things that just I, th I think you're going to do alright though if, you're, if, yeah. if, you're, if your scary splurge is on a, on a notepad from a <laughs> museum I reckon I reckon yeah. you're going to be pretty yeah. pretty savvy with your money when you get older <laughs> yeah <laughs> so Carl obviously in your job I think perhaps before we get discussing could you just explain what my bank does um, and its role in, in the world today uh, absolutely. So uh, my bank is a charitable organisation that goes around to different schools, pretty much all across the UK in specific areas, uh, just trying to educate people around, young people around finance. So giving them a bit of financial knowledge that maybe they don't get at home, but what they definitely don't get in schools. So it's trying to get them to understand the basics of money when they're younger. Mm. And as they start to increase in age, we start to try and increase the knowledge and give them different exercises for them to really start thinking about their f their future, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Can you can you give a, an example of the kind of basics that you're teaching kids in schools? Yeah. So at uh, sort of key stage two primary okay. school level. So remind um, me what age that is. So I'm terrible uh, with that sorry. kind of thing. No, it's all right. Um, so we're talking from the age of seven. Okay. So primary school. Yeah. Yeah. Three. Yeah. 
Um, so we so, sort of teach things at a, a very basic level, basic uh, budgeting, basic uh, things like delayed gratification. Okay, so getting young people to really understand you can have something now, mm. or if you wait, you might get something better a little bit okay. later. So that's a very powerful thing that we do within primary schools. As they enter into secondary schools, which is more where, where I teach, um, they, they, they still do the same sort of things, which is budgeting, learning about money. Um, as they get older, they start to learn about interest, mm. um, APR and AER. So they, they learn a variety of different things specifically around finance. Mm. Um, and hopefully those skills um, are there for them to understand. I often think it's somebody else's job to tell them how to do things. Yeah. It's our job to give them the education of what these things mean. Mm. And that's what my, what my bank do. Yeah. yeah. Do you think, it's, who should be doing the teaching in the school? Is it the maths teacher or is it, should actually be, should it be separated so people, so the pupils think of it in a different way? It's not simply part of their boring old maths lesson. Or? Yeah, I, I think maths is maths. And I think mm. if you uh, put finance and maths into the same subject, it starts to become complicated that the two are two different things. So maths is basically... Uh, getting young people to understand when you add things together or take them mm. away what it equals to. Yeah. When you're talking about finance, it's more about money and what money is used for, um, how it is going to benefit you in the future, uh, how the world sort of is run by, by finance. So I do think they're slightly different subjects, even though um, most of the time when we're going into schools, they might be in their maths groups. It might feel like it's a part of maths, but I, I think it's two different things. Yeah. So yeah. Do, you, do you think there should be a specific lesson that is kind of teaching people about finance or budgeting? I don't know in my head what that would be. From, from oh. a personal point of view, yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I really, really do. I think uh, growing up, you, you get money. People like when you're getting pocket money, it is in your hands. Um, I, I said earlier that uh, my mother used to give me money and say, it's specifically for this. It doesn't mm. mean that I'm going to take that money and do exactly what my mum taught me to do yeah. or told me to do. And that is a lot to do with, I see, I used to see things that I want and I would go out and buy that and then worry about what I had to spend the money on later. Yeah. So I do think there is an education that young people do need where it's all well and good understanding the maths, but it's more about understanding what money is doing for you and how it is helping you and how it is going to be a massive part of your future. Yeah. So do you think the, the, the sort of the missing skills for um, under 18s or under 16s is um, not being able to be sensible with their money? That they're, they're not... They, once they spend it, they don't think about the consequences. Or I think I think one of the things is, I don't know if they know what sensible is. Mm. So as an as an adult, we're, we're already in the adult yeah. world. So when the bills come, we know we have to pay it. When you're under eighteen years old in in today's world, you've got a mobile phone. Mm. Um, you're not responsible for that bill if it doesn't get paid. So a lot of people's parents will make them pay the bill. But if they don't have the money, it, they don't have any effect. They don't know about things like a credit score that gets damaged and your, you, the way you're looked at as, a, as a, a person. They don't understand those things because that knowledge hasn't reached them yet. Yeah. So I think when we say sensible, I think sometimes we need to tell them what being sensible is. Because sensible to them might be buying a pair of trainers, designer trainers, that is a lot cheaper than another pair of designer yeah. trainers. <laughs> We're actually... They can't really afford either, but yeah. they think they're making a sensible decision because it's the world they're in. So I think part of it is about teaching them what sensible is as well as 
helping them to make sensible decisions. Yeah. And are there, are there certain points in time, do you think, where it's it's more important than than other points to to really get that message across? So I'm thinking about, for example, when I when for me it was when I went to university and that was going from you know, living with my mum and dad, I worked yeah. for a bit, living with my mum and dad, to being independent, financially independent, getting a student loan, which, you know, money I'd never had before, being able to have an overdraft and things like that. Equally, people who don't go to university would be the point when they get a job and move out of their house. So these are these are kind of points in time. I'm thinking around 16 to 18. Is that the, the really crucial time for people? Or do you see it as, as being something that has to go on throughout somebody's life? Throughout somebody's life. I think yeah. the crucial time is is uh, what I call key stage two. So yeah, three. Yeah. Um, young people are fixed by the time they get to seven, eight years old. Right. So the types of things you'll be doing at seven, eight years old, even when you reach a sort of university age, yeah. you, you're stuck in your ways. Yeah. So it's the the younger we can get to young people, that the the better. Um, I've got a eight year old son myself, and what what I realise is when I'm talking to him about money, he like it's weird because I think when when kids are that age they remember things so much yep. better than when when you're an adult and I might have I think he was probably four years old where I said to him you can buy this now or you can save up for a house in the future and he still sort of comes back to that to this day always talking about I can buy this but I do want to buy a house as well. And it's sort mm. of, I think it is ingrained in him now from a young age that like he's constantly thinking about what this money can do for him in the future, as well as him getting a, a new toy or a bar of chocolate or something like that, because he's not allowed to buy sweets. But yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, little things like that. So yeah. the younger, the better. Yeah. 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 Do you think it, do, what's, what's the attitude for schools to try and educate children on this subject? Do they, do they see it as the role of, a school, or they think actually this is the role of the parent who should be doing this. So I, I got I got two views on this. So I think in schools it's part of the uh, curriculum, but it's not for them to teach every day. They will outsource this, outsource it to an organisation like my bank to come in and speak to young people. So they do think in schools you should be educated. Um, so, but they don't do it themselves. The teachers don't do it. Not to my knowledge, not to what I see and not to what I hear. There may be some schools that take it upon themselves to give them a bit of financial education, especially when they know we're coming in and preparing them for what they're about to get themselves into. Um, but they have uh, different things they're working towards. So they're trying to get young people to achieve their basic maths and English, um, which I totally understand. From a personal point of view, um, I do think it's very important that parents are talking to their their kids about money yeah yeah and i i never would have as a parent um if i didn't know about organizations like my bank even before i worked for yeah. my bank it, it triggered something in me as a parent to start talking to my my son at a very young age yeah and that's yeah. so important as well because i think it's not just um you start off with that parent-child relationship yeah. and then when that child you know leaves the nest and goes and has a has a relationship and a partner yeah. quite often even between married people yeah. talking about money can be quite taboo can't it and I think if you tackle that from an early age as you suggested then all of a sudden it just becomes a normal thing for people to, to, to discuss amongst themselves and I think once you talk about money it becomes a lot less a lot less scary because it can be quite scary I think at points it, in people's it, lives. It, it used to be scary to me mm. um, because as growing up I just heard nobody ever talk about their yeah. finances. Yeah. I think now that I'm the adult and I, I know my financial situation has been really bad at some points. It's been really good at some points. Yeah. Actually, giving uh, your child, the person that you're supposed to be raising and giving them an insight into the world, to talk to them about 
money is actually not that bad. They're, they're young. They're not going to go around saying, my dad's rich or my dad's broke. Yeah. They're just going to talk to you about the same way they'll talk to you about watching Power Rangers on the TV. Yeah. To them, they don't know how deep finance gets, but yeah. it's very helpful for them at a young age to want to talk about finance and to understand it. Yeah. So, yeah. Is Power Rangers still on the TV? Power Rangers Daisy? is still on is the it? TV. Yeah. Has, it come, yeah. has it come back? Uh, well, yeah, yeah there's yeah. A, there's like so much different versions of it. So <laughs> I can assure you my son watches Power Rangers. <laughs> oh, we know what Tom's going to be doing this it weekend. Was, it was huge back in my day. When I was yeah. in primary school, I remember, I remember oh. the first episodes. Yeah, collecting the stickers. Yeah. I remember collecting the stickers Absolutely. and all that kind of thing. Does that, does that still they go have, on, Daisy? Is there still stickers? There's still, there's, um, like, dolls of them, like, oh, really? that you can move around. Like, because I went to a childminders, we used to have a figures box where you'd get, like, loads of little toys. Um, and there was the Power Ranger one that, like, I remember this little boy used to play with all the time. And yeah, yeah, yeah. it's back on TV. Back on TV, yeah. yeah. So, so Tom, it obviously, it's Christmas time. coming up soon. Is, it is. is it, if if you were to get a, a doll, is there a favourite <laughs> character that we could look for for you? Well, the, 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 power, the from, power from Power Rangers. <laughs> oh, I always like the um, the red one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the red was the T Rex. I want to turn into the T Rex. I think was my favourite. Is that wow. are, they, are they still the same? I don't, I don't know the quite, detail. Oh. <laughs> I think my sister was actually at one point she was watching it and then she had this nightmare about them and now she's like every time somebody mentions Power Rangers she just goes no we are not talking about this (laughs) (laughs) so Carl if you were education secretary you've got total power I know it's quite hard to imagine a government really doing anything at the moment but you've got total power over how to encourage more better use of finances among young people in schools what one thing would you look to introduce I think I think first things first that's a great question thank you very much you're, you're a great guest <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I think because there's there's a range of things that I think are important for young people it's hard to pinpoint one I think at different ages maybe young people need different things yeah and I think the, the main thing that I would want to teach as a financial educator is about what decisions you make today, how it is going to affect you in the future. Yeah. How you do that as a, as a subject, I'm trying to think what it is we do. So I spoke earlier about delayed gratification, yeah. teaching young people that you can you can be patient and you can get more yeah. in the future. And I think that's very vital for children at a young age. I then think as they start to get older, so we're talking sort of year seven in school to, to year 11, it's so important for them to understand, like I said earlier, what what is being sensible. Mm. Like, so I, I often go around and ask young people, uh, if I gave you a million pounds, what would you do with it? Yeah. And a lot of them say invest. And then my, my response to them is invest in what? Yeah. And then yeah. The, the issue is, is everybody knows they want to invest. Mm. They have no clue actually what investing is. So young people want money for the future. They want to make sure that they're financially secure, mm. but they don't know how. Yeah. And giving them the knowledge to know what what is an investment, what is a good investment, a safe investment or a bad investment. And, and that is something I think is so important for young people because yeah. they want to do it. It's just, I don't think they know how. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you ever so much for joining this week. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, say thanks to Carl. You're thanks welcome. very much to Daisy for joining us. And Tom, I and Laura will be back very soon. So if you've got any suggestions for stuff you would like us to talk about, please do email us at podcast at ajbell.co.uk. Thanks very much. See you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
Before you go, please remember this podcast is for educational purposes and the views expressed don't necessarily reflect those of AJ Bell or Shares Magazine. The podcast isn't telling you whether certain investments are suitable or not. And don't forget that the value of investments can change and you can lose money as well as make it. It's also important to remember that tax rules apply and that the way an investment performed in the past may not be the same as how it behaves in the future. If you want help, go see a qualified financial advisor. Thank you.